Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, you're a great God. You're a great and a mighty God. A God who sits on his throne and who does all that he pleases. A God who works all things together for our good and for your glory. Father, you're a God who's with us on mountaintops and with us in valleys. And the truth is the truth on mountaintops, and it's the same truth in valleys. This morning we have a brother who's walking through a valley. Pray that you would give him grace. For every hurdle, give him strength for each day. Father, there's many among us who are hurting. Many among us who are weak. And yet we have hope. We have an unending hope. And we look forward. We look forward to when we will be together one day in glory. When our faith will be sight and we'll stand face to face with our Savior. What a glorious day that will be. But till that day, give us grace. Give us mercy. Give us strength for each day to trust You even when we don't understand. Even when we don't see the big picture and we don't know what You are doing, help us to cling to the truth. The truth that You are good. The truth that You are working for our good. Work in us. Mold us into Your image. We know that everything we go through accomplishes Your purpose. Even this evening, as we look to Your Word, may Your Spirit work within us. May You mold us. May You chip away those things in us that stand in rebellion to You. May You be honored. May You give me boldness and authority to proclaim Your truth with clarity. May You be glorified in this time this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. you ever met someone who could not follow instructions? Probably some of you in this room can't follow instructions. I remember one time Chris and I were trying to teach a friend of mine a game. We like games. And this friend is kind of one of those guys, he's, his, his mind is just running 100 miles an hour. He's thinking about tons of different things. And we're trying to get him to, to focus on this game, and, and we're playing, and, and we teach him the rules, and he makes a mistake, and we explain, no, you, you can't do that. And he's like, okay, I got it. Next round, he does the exact same thing. Matt, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, okay, I got it, I got it. Next round, he does the exact same thing. Uh, how can you make the same mistake three times? He wasn't focused. He couldn't follow instructions. Honestly, he didn't care about the instructions because he was more interested in just getting the conversation and hanging out. There's many reasons why people don't follow instructions. Maybe it's, it's like that situation. It just wasn't the most important thing and there was something else and, and we were just talking and having a good time. Sometimes people don't follow instructions because they just don't listen. They don't care to listen. Sometimes people like to improvise. 
They think they know better. I can figure it out myself. Sometimes people are just downright rebellious. They don't care. They want to do it their way. They're going to do it their way, even if their way is wrong. Sometimes people don't, instruct, don't follow instructions because they don't trust the one giving the instructions to begin with. Sometimes they're just too lazy to follow instructions. But whatever the reason, when you don't follow instructions, you're communicating something. You're either communicating, I don't care, this doesn't matter, I don't trust you, I know better. You're communicating something. Similarly, when you do follow instructions, you're also communicating something. You're saying, I do care, this does matter. This is worthy of my time. I do trust you. This evening in Joshua 6, the Lord comes and He gives very specific instructions. And the Israelites, by their obedience, they communicate their trust in the Lord and they win a great victory. But it's because they obeyed. Because they followed the instruction of the Lord. This evening, as we work our way through Joshua 6, we'll see first the instruction in the first seven verses. God comes and he gives instruction. Then in verses nine, or in verses 8 to 19, he calls them to obedience. It's time to obey. And in verses 20 to 27, God fulfills his promise. He does what he said he would do because they obeyed. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed, and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of, ram horn, of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So we had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 
Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpet, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you... By all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. As we come to Joshua chapter 6, the first thing we see in the first seven verses is the instruction of the Lord. You remember Joshua chapter 5 ends with God speaking. The Lord comes to Joshua by Jericho. He walks with him and he speaks with him. After a brief introduction to set the scene, chapter 6 jumps right back into that conversation with the Lord speaking. Chapter 6 begins with this note. Now Jericho is securely... They were, they were so afraid they would not even come out of their city. They did, they did not want to go to war. They did not want to fight the Israelites and their God. And through that, God provided the time that the Israelites needed to obey. As we come to chapter 6, we see that again. They're, they are still afraid. 
They are still shut into their city. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. Look, it's yours. I have given it to you. It is sure. It is yours. It's as good as yours. Here we see God assures victory before the battle even happens. And he can do that for he is God. And he is powerful. And when he says he will do something, he does it. And when he says he will give them the city, he gives it to them. And there is nothing that can keep God from accomplishing his purpose. I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. The city, the king, the mightiest of warriors. They're as good as yours. It's complete. It's over. Here it is. Here is Jericho. And as we get to to verse 3, he says, and then here is how you take it. I am giving it to you. Here's how you take it. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. Put yourself in Joshua's shoes. That had to be kind of a a startling statement, right? Here's the city. You're going to take it. They've been excited. They've crossed the river. The men of war, they're they're ready to go. And and he says, all right, here's how you're going to take it. Put on your stuff and walk around the city. What? I don't want to walk around the city. I want to take the city. And God says, no, walk around the city. All you men of war, you'll go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. It's getting worse. Not only do we have to walk around once, we have to walk around six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. The priests shall blow the trumpets that shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the walls of the city will fall down flat. The people will go up every man straight before him. I'm sure the first thought, well, I don't know what the first thought that crossed Josh's mind was, but at some point, I'm sure the thought crossed his mind, if you're just going to knock the walls down, why not just knock them down? Why do we have to spend a week walking around the city You're God. You can do whatever you please. Just give it to us. But this is what God pleases. This is what God wants. Sometimes the Lord calls us to do things that we don't understand. Sometimes he gives us instruction and and, and in the moment we're sitting there and and we don't see the end goal. We don't see what he's doing. Why seven priests? Why seven trumpets? Why seven days? Why march? Because God told you to. Seven, as many of you know, is the number of perfection. It's the number of completion. 
You don't have to understand why God calls you to march. You just have to understand that he does call you to march and you have to obey. He's not messing with you. This is not just some arbitrary thing that he has come up with. He is working in you. He's accomplishing his purpose and you are invited to be a part of it. Notice that, that in this pr- procession that goes around the city, in the very center of it, in the middle, is the ark. The visible symbol of the Lord's presence with His people. Once again, reminding His people that, that I am giving you this city. And I am with you. Even as you ma- walk around this city, I am with you. I am right there in the midst with you. And this is my doing. I am doing this. Verse 5, It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city wall, the, the wall, of the city wall will fall down flat. only when you obey. After you've completed what I have called you to, then the wall will fall down flat. It's not the trumpet or the shout of the people that bring down the wall. It's the Lord that brings down the wall. We come to verse 6. We see a familiar phrase that we've seen several times throughout Joshua. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests. God gives instruction, and the very next thing that Joshua does is he obeys. It seems that every chapter we've seen that, God comes and he says, Joshua, do this. The next verse is, then Joshua did it. He never seems to question the Lord, no matter what he says. I mean, just think back at what God has called Joshua to do so far. He's called him to lead people across a river. And then they get there and they're standing across from the walls of their enemy and God calls him to, all right, now's the time I want you to circumcise all the men. Now? But Joshua obeys. And now, the men have healed and and they're ready to get to war. We've obeyed you, Lord. And he says, all right, now march around the city. What? I, I don't understand what you're doing. That doesn't matter. You're not called to understand, you're called to obey, and it's exactly what Joshua does. As we see time and time again, Joshua simply obeys. He goes to the priests and he says, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Covenant. He said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. He repeats almost word for word exactly what God says, go and do it. God's called us, we'll respond. We will obey. In verses 1 to 7, we see God's instruction. Verses 8 to 19, we see the obedience of the people. So it was, when Joshua had spoken, 
So the people that the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord, advanced and blew the trumpets. The ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark. When the priests continued blowing the trumpets, now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. Why so specific? Is it not enough that we just walk around? Now you're telling us to walk around and not make a single sound? Not even use our voice? Not say one word? We can't even sing? We can't talk amongst ourselves as we walk? Sometimes it seems easier to fight than to simply trust the Lord. I'm sure those soldiers, as they, as they get in the front and, and, and they're walking and they're looking at each other and they can't talk and they're, they're walking around this city, who knows what's going through their minds? But I'm sure more than one of them is thinking, this is ridiculous. The city's right there. Why can't we just go take it? If God's going to give it to us, let's go. But they're called to march around and to march in silence. Why? We don't know why. In fact, often in life, we're not given the whys. God calls us to trust Him not because we know what He is doing or why He is doing it, but because we believe that He is doing what is best. We believe that He is doing the right thing. Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't simply understand, he says, just trust me. God is in control despite how chaotic it seems. He is good despite how you feel. He is powerful despite how big your enemy looks. He's a great God. And he is in control and he is accomplishing his purpose. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around at once and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And, and down through verse 14, we see almost the exact same thing we just saw in verses 8 to 11. Verse 14 ends with this phrase, and so they did six days. They continued to obey the Lord. They continued to get up, to get dressed, to get in line, and to march around the city without talking. They steadfastly obeyed the Lord. Because they trusted the Lord. How often do we want immediate results? I'm willing to trust you, God, but I need to know what you're doing. I need an answer. God says, no, you don't. You need to trust. Just trust me. Just obey me. Just do what I tell you to do. Be steadfast. 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, even when you don't understand what He's doing. From the 15, we come to the seventh day, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day. They had a big day ahead of them. And they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, and on that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. That's an interesting phrase right there. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. He doesn't say, shout that the walls may fall down. He says, shout for the Lord has given it to you. I mean, put yourself in this situation. Picture this. They've walked around the city. All week they've been doing this. Now it comes to the seventh day. They got up early and they've done it all day. And now they're standing there and, and nothing's changed. They're looking at a city and, and the walls are still standing. The guards are still in their place. And Joshua says, look, shout, it's yours. God's given it to you. But nothing's changed. What do you mean God's given it to us? It looks the exact same thing, same way it did the first day we started marching. And Joshua says, shout for victory. It's yours. It would have been much easier to shout for victory if the walls were already down. As you're running in to claim what the Lord has given to you, then it's easy to shout. But they're called to shout when the walls are still standing. They don't shout to bring the wall down. They shout because they believe that God will bring the wall down. They trust that what He said will happen. He made a promise and He will do that. And so I am shouting in anticipation of what God is going to do because He's a faithful God. It's often that way in our lives too. Faith is not shouting because the wall has fallen. It's shouting because the wall will fall. Because I know God will do it. He will fulfill His promises. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. It is yours. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers of the Lord. It's in fulfillment of the, prof of, of the, the promise that the spies gave her in Joshua 2. They made a promise. And they keep that promise. It's interesting, verse 18 and 19 are, are very interesting. You, considering uh, chapter 7, which we'll be in uh, in a couple weeks when we return to Joshua. God gives very specific instructions here. He says exactly what is going to happen if you disobey. And yet what we'll see is that someone does disobey. He says right up front, it's all right here, and you, by all means, whatever it takes, by all means possible, abstain from the accursed things. This city is cursed. It's a city of destruction. God has cursed it, and everything in it is cursed. Don't take anything, or you will become accursed. When you take of the accursed things, and not only that, but you'll make the camp of Israel a curse, you will trouble it. Your sin is not your own sin. It'll affect all of us. 
Often sin does that. There's a very clear warning here. Verse 19, but all the silver and the gold and the vessel of bronze and the iron, the things that, that won't burn, they are consecrated to the Lord, shall come into the treasury of the Lord. As the first city conquered in Cain and Jericho was to be wholly dedicated to the Lord. It's set aside as a, as a sort of first fruits. This is your, your tithe of the land. This, this is the Lord's. So the people are standing here before the city. They have the instruction. They know the cost of disobedience. And in verse 20, we see this phrase, so the people shouted. They show their faith by their obedience. In fact, in Hebrews 11, verse 30, they are praised. By faith, the walls came down. By faith, the Lord brought it down as they stood there and they shouted in victory knowing that God would give it to them because God promised it. I love those four words, so the people shouted. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat as God promised. And the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I love that phrase, they took the city. Not, not they conquered the city. They took it. Because God gave it to them. God put it before them. He said, it's yours. And so they went in and they took it. They didn't conquer it. God conquered it. They took it. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Verse 21 is a verse that, that raises questions. The first question it raises in my mind is, how is this okay? How is it okay to go in and to destroy everything, man and woman, young and old, Children. How can you go in and kill these innocent people? And the answer is because they're not innocent. Because God is just. And because sin has consequences. And in fact, the, 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 the fact that these people even lived was by the grace of God. He's a powerful God. He's the Lord of heaven. He's the Lord of earth. He alone is just. He alone is able to, to judge, to condemn, and to save. It's His right. And He is just in doing it. The next question is, but then why? Maybe... God is just to do that. I understand that God is just, but why? Why? The answer is because to punish the Canaanites. There's a second reason to also to protect the Israelites, to protect them from falling into idolatry and apostasy as they come into the land. The complete annihilation of the Canaanites 
The purpose was to protect the Israelites. To punish their sin and to protect the Israelites. It's the Lord's doing. Verse 22, But Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. What a reunion that had to be. As they go in and, and think how relieved she had to be. How excited they were. She had saved their life, and now by faith they had saved her life. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Once again, as we've seen throughout Joshua, again we see God's provision. God provided, in, in chapter 5, we saw that God provided food. God provided time. Here, once again, we return to, to what we saw in chapter 2. God provided Rahab. She hid the messengers. God was accomplishing his purpose long before his, those messengers even got there. He had her exactly where he wanted her. And he had them go exactly where he wanted them to go. And Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and his youngest he shall set up, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. First Kings sixteen thirteen, a man named Heel does rebuild Jericho. And he experiences the curse. Both his firstborn and his youngest do die, as God promised. There's a specific reason why God wanted Jericho to stay in ruins. It, under, it underlines the symbolic nature of Jericho. It represents God's judgment, God's provision for Israel. And it was to, its continued ruin was to be a reminder to God's people, a warning. I am just. I do punish sin. And yet I'm also good. Look how I've provided for you. Verse 27, So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. Joshua is exalted because he trusts the Lord and he obeys the Lord. Once again, there's nothing that Joshua does great. He simply does what God says, and that is great. He's not like Samson who goes out with the jawbone of a donkey and kills all these men. He simply takes the next step that God calls him to take. He simply obeys. And God exalts him because he trusts the Lord and because he obeys. As we've seen all throughout Joshua to this point, as we see here in Joshua 6, we once again see the faithfulness of God. What God says, God accomplishes. 
He's a God who keeps his promises. And he keeps his promises, as Dr. Newman says, as he makes his promises. We also see the greatness of God. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. He's a just God. No wall or army can stop his purpose. He's a trustworthy God. God gives instruction, his people obey, and God does exactly as he promised. Praise the Lord for our powerful, faithful, good God. May we trust him like Joshua trusts him. It seems so easy. Because it is easy. Because you don't have to see the next step. You just have to take it because God says it. He's good. Do you trust him?